is Andy Wakefield, and this is the Andy Wakefield Podcast. This is a place where stories are told that have never been heard before. Welcome back to the Andy Wakefield Podcast. My name is Lori Gregory. It's my honor to be here with the esteemed Dr. Andrew Wakefield, who I think this is episode 49. Andy, we're getting close to the big 5 Yes, yes. It doesn't seem like that, does it? I mean, they, it's amazing how they accumulate. Well, we, we yeah. started last December. We were worried we wouldn't what we would talk about every week, and of course, the world changed yeah, dramatically in March. <laughs> Carol, what you wish for? We we could probably do one a day at this point. Things oh, are changing yes, so rapidly in the world surrounding health freedom, and um, of course, we have an incredible guest today who is such a hero in the health freedom movement is such a man of integrity. And he now joins the ranks of a very exclusive group of folks who've been Wakefielded. <laughs> Thanks, Andy, for uh, pioneering the way. <laughs> uh, Paul, thank you very much for joining us. Dr. Paul Thomas, pediatrician from Oregon. Paul, a week is a very long time in medicine in this country. Last week, you published what is the definitive vaccinated versus unvaccinated study from your practice with James Lyons Weiler, a study that the CDC has refused to do, a study that the CDC has given back $16 million in grant funding so that it would not do this study. And you've done it. It was a wonderful study, extremely well done scientifically. And now a week later, the Oregon Medical Board has taken away your license. So just, and it's quite clear, to me, but I want you to share with, with the, our audience why you think that is. And we'll go into some of the details uh, of the charges that they have alleged, the complaints they've alleged against you. But in a nutshell, Paul, tell me by way of introducing yourself, your practice, your ethos, your clinical ethos, why do you think the Oregon Medical Board went after you in this way? So Andy, let me provide a little background history for your audience. Around 2000, I read a paper by a man by the name of Andy Wakefield. You had actually published it, I believe, in 1999. I didn't wake up to the fact that it was out there until a year later. I was just a busy pediatrician in my office. And in that paper, you just made the suggestion that perhaps there may be a link between the MMR vaccine and autism. You thought that there should be more research done. Your audience probably knows, long story short, after a long I don't know what you call it, witch hunt, I think. They ended up taking your license, and uh, now there's the term being wakefielded. So you you are a famous man, and I'm joining your ranks, it appears. But I just want to thank you for opening my eyes to at least start to look at the possibility of whether or not vaccines have anything to do with health problems. So here's the journey I took. After that, I started doing my own research. I've heard you speak more than once at the uh, Defeat Autism Now conferences. Those have morphed into the MAPS conferences, Medical Academy of Pediatric Special Needs. I mean, these are wonderful clinicians providing uh, peer-reviewed research articles and the most uh, important peer-reviewed data and information that's in the world that's just sort of being kept away from most people. So we are really a science-driven, data-driven uh, group of people, those of us who are trying to get to the bottom of what's going on with the health in our country. Just to fast forward, in 2004, 5, 6, and 7, 
I'm a busy pediatrician in a group pediatric practice. And each of those years, I saw a child regress after being completely normal at age one with good eye contact, starting to vocalize or even talking, normally developing, and at age two, completely gone. Lights out of their eyes, severely autistic, no language. You know, the first time I saw that, this was something that we were starting to see more and more in pediatrics, uh, kids who were previously normal regressing into autism. I said, this is what they're talking about. Well, after the fourth time, it was, okay, I cannot do business as usual. My partners were not willing to let me change the CDC vaccine schedule, so I was basically shown the door. Uh, we agreed to disagree, so to speak, in that divorce because they felt it was unethical not to do the CDC schedule, and I felt it was unethical to follow the CDC schedule. We simply knew too much already. So that was June of 2008 that I started my practice that I'm currently working in called Integrative Pediatrics. We started off with just some changes, some obvious things that were uh, safe changes to make to the how you vaccinate a child. We, we went on the premise of informed consent. In other words, you share the risks and the benefits of any procedure that's done and you let the parents decide what a novel concept. When you're going to do an uh, elective procedure, you might want to let the patient decide whether or not to do that procedure. What ended up happening is I developed a, a way of vaccinating or at least a way of looking at how one vaccinates that I ended up publishing in a book called The Vaccine Friendly Plan that was published in 2016. That was the beginning of the process that has led to them yanking my license. It's, it's suspended at this point on an emergency basis and we'll get into that. But I think that put the target on me because I was coming out with an approach, science-based, that book is very well referenced with scientific peer-reviewed studies, but it was not supporting the CDC schedule. And that obviously was going to put a target on my back. Essentially for the last three years, the board has had multiple complaints, none of them uh, with any merit, but they will not close any of these complaints. They just keep asking for more information, more information. They're just digging, 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 trying to find something. Uh, so now to get to the issue at hand, a week ago, I published this study. It's entitled, uh, I get to thank Jack for this long title, Relative Incidence of Office Visits and Cumulative Rates of Build Diagnoses Along the Axis of Vaccination. That's a descriptive title, by the way. So what we did was we looked at every single patient born into my practice over the 10 and a half years from the day I opened until this data set was created last January. So it's a 10 and a half year data set of over 3,000 patients. And what we found was that we had 2,763 who were variably vaccinated, none of them fully vaccinated, and 561 who were unvaccinated. And we simply, through various ways of analysis, uh, Jack Lyons-Wheeler gets the credit for his uh, statistical and scientific analysis of the data. Uh, he, he really looked at it. He was completely blinded, by the way. He had no idea who was who, what was what. It made it very challenging, but he, he did a, a very masterful job. What we really showed for the first time as far as a real-world data set is massive increases in almost any health condition we looked at when you compared the most vaccinated in my practice. And mind you, they're not CDC vaccinated. They're just more vaccinated than the unvaccinated. But when you compared the most vaccinated to the unvaccinated, the graphs are just, they jump out at you. They speak for themselves. 
the more vaccines you get, the more incidents you'll have of asthma, allergic rhinitis, breathing problems, behavior issues, ADD, ADHD, respiratory infections, otitis media, ear pain, other infections, eye disorders, eczema, dermatitis, urticaria, and a really surprising one was anemia. So in pediatrics, you screen babies for anemia at nine months. The unvaccinated almost had no anemia. I mean, there was just a tiny percentage of them who had anemia. The highly vaccinated had a significant amount of anemia. So that's just sort of the basis of the study. All right, brings us to today. How did I get word of my license being taken? I'm at my office today, by the way, but not seeing patients because I'm not allowed. They have taken my license, suspended it on an emergency basis. I got a call from my attorney who's been helping me with the board issues for the last few years. And he said he got a call from the attorney for the state of Oregon medical board saying that they had an emergency meeting this last Thursday, a few days after my paper was published and a day, I believe, after the Children's Health Defense uh, published an article about this paper. They had to have an emergency meeting, apparently, and they made an emergency decision. I mean, this is just unheard of. There's a process you go through when you're worried about a physician's ethics, and medical boards are usually charged with making sure you're not, you know, working drunk or abusing your patients sexually or otherwise, you know, these horrible things that occasionally happen, right? No, this was just... Uh, for unknown real reasons, uh, they made this emergency decision to pull my license. So that brings us to where we are today. Um, guilty uh, until proven innocent. <laughs> exactly. Guilty until proven innocent. So I, I've looked over the various charges and not a single one of them is valid. Uh, so, you know, we will see them in court, so to speak, or in, in whatever process they put me through. Uh, but there's absolutely no merit to a single one of these charges. You've been listening to the Andy Wakefield Podcast. To continue the conversation, go to 1986theact.com slash membership, where for $5 a month, you can subscribe and access the Andy Wakefield Podcast in its entirety and much more. Thank you.